0: This is the Purpose Church podcast where we exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Hey everybody and welcome to church. So glad that you're worshiping with us today. Obviously, Kelly and I are not present in service today, but we will be back next week for a very special service with author and speaker Joe Sangle, the creator of the financial learning experience. I'll have more details about that later on. And also it was in the video announcements, more details about that coming up soon. But if you're brand new here, or this is your first Sunday, let me tell you what we're doing. We are in a four week series about how God tells us to handle money. It affects every single one of us. And I know what you're thinking. Why have we gotta talk about money? Let me tell you something. The Bible talks a lot about money. And if we don't talk about it, you're going to learn how to handle money the world's way. And the world doesn't know how to handle money. The government doesn't know how to handle money. But God knows how to handle money. Can I get a good amen? So God's word has a lot to say. We had some statistics last week, too, about how much the Bible actually talks about money. Two-thirds of the parables, the stories in the Bible that Jesus taught from, are about Goods and things and material things and money. It's very important that you and I understand that money is not taboo. Money is not good or bad. Money is neutral and you can use it for good or bad. Let's jump in today looking at our series verse in Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, we saw last week that the word servant translated here is slave or in bondage. And people don't say, I'm in bondage to money. I've never heard anybody say, in 16 years of pastoring, I've never heard anybody say, I'm in bondage to money, pastor, I'm in bondage to money. But they say things like, I'd love to get married. I'd love to have kids. I'd love to buy a house, but I can't afford it. That is being in bondage to money. Now, one thing we talked about too are the ground rules of this series. You gotta shake the guilt off and shake the condemnation off. If you're feeling any guilt or any condemnation in regards to how you've handled money, that is not from God. And God wants to bring some hope and some life into this very important part of your life. Last week, we talked about how Jesus said you can't serve God and money. It's impossible to serve God and money, and Jesus knew that money and material things would be the chief competitor for our hearts, so he talked a lot about it. We don't serve money, we talked about this, we don't serve money, we serve God. Say that with me, we don't serve money, we serve God. Now that's very important for you and I to really have in our hearts, because money serves us, as we serve God, but a lot of us have this backwards and we wanna help you. We're not going to be in bondage. We're not going to be debt strapped and unable to do what God is calling us to do. We believe that you can be set free, not just from your sin and a past that has you bound. No, 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 no. We believe that there's even more for you that you can be financially free so that you could be available to God to do whatever he's calling you to do. So very important series. So let's cover this old rule. It's been popular for centuries. Now, when I read this, I was like, oh, come on. this, This can't be true. If you didn't have the money, you didn't buy it. If you didn't have the money, you didn't buy it. I know, it's crazy. It's this crazy old rule that somebody came up with. No, if you didn't have the money, you didn't buy it. You actually had to have money to buy something. And how quickly things have changed. Look at this. Before the Great Depression, only 2% of homes had a mortgage against them. Only 2%. That means 98% of homes were owned by the owner, not the bank. 40 years later, 40 years after the Great Depression, 2% of homes do not have a mortgage against them. In only four decades, that statistic has been flipped. It's very important that you and I understand that there's this entitled mindset that has grown generation to generation. This entitled mindset that I'm 23 and I deserve the same lifestyle as my parents. I, I deserve the big house, I deserve the same car, I deserve to take the same vacations, because baby, I deserve it and I deserve it now. There's this entitled mindset that grows generation to generation. In the United States, we're, a, we're like a nation of pretenders. And we've gotta just own up with where we are. We've gotta be very honest with where we are. And we've got stuff, but we've also got the debt. We're, We're what we call strapped. We've got the stuff, we've got the boat, we've got the camper, we've got the two and a half kids, we've got the dog, white picket fence, all of that. The American dream is made possible by American Express. We've got everything we want, but we've also got the debt. The, the land of the $30,000 millionaire is what they told me they call Dallas. When I lived in Dallas and Kelly and I pastored in Dallas, I remember one of the first things they told me was, this is the land of the $30,000 millionaire. Dallas tries to look and feel like Houston, uh, it, it try to look and feel like New York, It's the land of the $30,000 millionaire, tries to be fast paced and buy everything you can to look a certain way. I don't believe San Antonio is far off from that. And so we may not be the land of the $30,000 millionaire, but we do have the nation's highest credit card debt. San Antonio leads the nation, leads the top 25 metropolitan areas, we talked about this last week, leads the top 25 metropolitan areas in credit card debt we have a problem in San Antonio. And we've got to be honest with where we are. God's word has something to say about this, everybody. Scripture tells us plainly in Proverbs thirteen seven: one man pretends to be rich, yet he has nothing. This is where we are. So let's look at three essential values that are required for us to become unstrapped, set free, and debt-free. Three essential biblical values for us to become unstrapped, set free and debt-free. Look at number 1. I want you to begin to embrace the value of self-control. Ah! Embrace the value of self-control. Proverbs 25:28 says, "Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control." What that means is, without self-control, we're like a city without walls. There's no defense, there's no plan, there's no safety. When we lack self-control, we put ourselves in a defenseless position. And so many of us battle with self-control. Like, we're, we're like little kids. We're, we're, there's something in us that's like, I want it, and I want it now. Why do you think J.G. Wentworth had that very popular commercial, eight, seven, seven cash now. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's my money and I need it now. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. You remember that commercial. We all have that little kid that comes alive in us when we want something. You might, you might have found yourself saying, I know I spent $200, but I got it on Sale. I got it on sale. I know I spent 200 bucks, but baby, I got a good deal. I got it on sale. And ladies, you know that this is true for you, that you, you work your way into this debt. You work your way into it slowly. I've talked to people who have four, five, six department store credit cards. It, like when you used to go to a physical mall you know, and, and get credit cards and go to Dillard's and Penny's. Who remembers Mervyn's? Y'all remember Mervyn's? Uh, who remembers Montgomery Ward? You have these credit cards to these places and then you, you end up buying things you don't need with money you don't have because that little kid in us comes alive and wants it now. And ladies, you work your way there, but us guys, we just go big. We walk in and say, go look in the parking lot. Go look in the driveway. Look at my new truck pulling that brand new boat. We just do it all at once. We just do it big or we go home. We just do it all at one time. We've got very little self-control. We don't know how to say no. We've got very little self-control. I want everyone to say that word out loud with me. Say the word no. Ready, one, two, three. No. No, say it again. Say it louder. One, two, three. No. I mean, doesn't that just feel good? I mean, it just feels good to be able to stay close to your values and say no. Now, let's practice, okay? Let's, just hang on with me. Let's practice. Do you really need to get a pedicure and a manicure two times a month? The answer is No, you really don't need to do that twice a month. I know you want your mani-pedi, but you can't do that twice a month. Nails, and let me just tell you, nails aren't that big of a deal to a guy, all right, ladies? Nails aren't that big a deal. I've never heard a guy say, look at the nails on that one. I've never heard a guy say that. Are they real or fake? I've never heard a guy say that. Never heard a guy say that. So you don't need your nails done twice a month. Do you really need to play golf two, three, four times a month? And the answer is, everyone say it out loud, no, you don't need to do that. Do you really need, do you really need a $4 cup of Starbucks coffee to live and function every day? The answer is no. Does your 12-year-old really need an iPhone? And the answer to that is an emphatic no. Do you really need a brand new car that's going to depreciate 20 to 30% when you drive it off the lot? And everyone say it out loud, the answer is no. Once you're out of debt, buy the car. Walk in with cash, buy the car. Get your nails done once a week. Once you're out of debt, but while you're getting out of debt, listen to me clearly, I'm trying to pastor you right now in the most loving way I can. While you're getting out of debt, you've got to be values-based and keep the big picture in mind and learn how to say no. Learn how to say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your life. Number two, embrace the value of sacrifice. Embrace the value of sacrifice. If there's one common theme all throughout scripture, it's the sacrificial theme of Christianity. Look at Hebrews twelve two. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. See, he made the sacrifice, the brutal sacrifice, for something he wanted even more. And that was me and you. We were the joy set before him. Aren't you glad he didn't give up on us? Let's define sacrifice. Sacrifice is giving up something we love for something we love even more. Giving up something we love for something we love even more. You may love wasting your life watching TV, but you give up cable television for a debt-free Christmas. And even better, you give up cable TV for better mental health at that. You may love the idea of wanting a bigger home. You may want a bigger home, but you stay in the smaller home so one of you can stay home with the kids. Kelly and I actually made that exact decision. You may love to go out to eat, but you give up eating out for a PBJ. How many of you love a peanut butter jelly sandwich? Peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter jelly. Everybody loves peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And some of you are weird and you do peanut butter and honey. I don't understand you. a Jesus doesn't understand that, all right? So if it's PBJ, baby, and it's grape jelly, grape jelly, come on, somebody. You give up something you love for something you love even more. It's the value of sacrifice. Did you know that over your working lifetime, if you stop eating out at lunch at work, over your lifetime, they, they've done the study, that brown bag in your lunch is going to save you $112,000 over your lifetime just by bringing your lunch to work. 112 grand, how many of you would love $112,000 back in your pocket? Make smart decisions because you're a values-based Christian. The problem in our culture today is that we're asking the wrong questions. How much down? How much is it down? How much is it a month? You know this is true when you go buy a vehicle. How much is it down? And then they do all of their magic in the computer. This is how much is gonna be a month. The real question is, how much is the real total cost? How much is the real total cost? I wanna share with you a real simple example. Think about how different your life could be if you just embraced biblical values. Just embrace biblical values. Last week we looked at some statistics. The stat of those carrying around a credit card balance, the average American carries a credit card balance, not all consumer debt, just credit cards, credit card balance of $14,517. So that's like a, a big trip to Disney. That's, that's a, the giant home theater you want. That's the, that's the really fancy living room set and bedroom set. Now, if you paid $217.93 per month on $14,517 at 18%, it would take you 40 years to pay off that debt. And your total cost, that $14,000, turns into $104,000. The 14 grand turns into $104,000 over the course of 40 years. If you invested $14,517 at 12% for 40 years, you would have $1.3 million in 40 years. If you invested that $14,000 instead of owing the $14,000, you would be a millionaire in 40 years. Now, if you invest that $14,517 and then you add what was our minimum payment earlier of the $217.93 at 12% over 40 years, you would have $3.6 million. So if you invested a chunk of fourteen five, dollars and you pay $220 ish a month into that investment, you would have $3.5 million over 40 years. But what we do instead is we pay 200-something dollars on that mattress we should not have bought. We, we pay 200-something dollars a month for a vehicle we didn't need because our other one actually ran fine. It just didn't look sexy enough. We end up making unbiblical decisions that keep us shackled and keep us in debt and keep us from being able to do what God has called us to do. So you give up something you love for something you love even more. How much of a difference could you make in the world if you break out of the mold and you do something that no one else is doing? Number three, so embrace the value of self-control, embrace the value of sacrifice, and number three, embrace the value of planning. Embrace the value of planning. Look at Luke 14, 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Very simple, right there in the New Testament. Look at Proverbs 21, 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, but haste leads to poverty. So basically we can say it this way. Biblical values lead to profit. Unbiblical behavior and values leads to poverty. You can wander into debt, but you'll never wander out of debt. So I'm gonna give you three beginning steps and then we'll be done. Three beginning steps. If you're like, all right, Landon, I got it. I wanna live biblically. I want to live biblically with my money. Here's three beginning steps. Number one, create a written budget. I would be surprised if I asked you to raise your hand, and I wouldn't because I, I wouldn't want to embarrass anybody. But if I asked you to raise your hand, how many of you do not have a written budget? I probably would not be surprised how many hands went up. Have a written budget and stick to it. Follow great leaders like Dave Ramsey and Joe Sangle. Follow great leaders. Use helpful apps like Good Budget. That's the one Kelly and I use. It's a digital envelope system. Use Good Budget or an app that Dave Ramsey created called Every Dollar. Use apps to help you. It's easier now than it ever has been to stay on track with your budget. There's so many tools out there available for you. Take a class like Financial Peace University, which we, all, we offer here every semester of small groups. Or you can come to the Financial Learning Experience on March 21st at 3 p.m. That's a Sunday. Author and speaker Joe Sangle will be with us that Sunday morning speaking in our Strap series. So he'll be here next week. And then he's staying that afternoon to teach us for two hours on how to live unstrapped. You don't wanna miss it. It's absolutely free. Invite everybody you care about to be at that event. There's childcare, refreshments, we've got you taken care of. You don't wanna miss it. Now at the top of your budget, you honor God with the tithe. What does tithe mean? What is tithing? You might've heard pastors talk about this, but when you're creating your budget, it is important that you honor God first. Tithing is the biblical basis and biblical foundation of giving the first 10% of my income to God through my local church. Giving the first 10% of my income to God through my local church. Malachi 3, verse six through 10, I the Lord do not change, so you the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you've not kept them. Let that not be said of us. But return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Now throughout scripture, we see this very, very true. When we go towards God, He comes towards us. But who takes the first step? Us. We take the first step. The Bible promises that he will draw near to us when we draw near to him. And then it continues, but you ask, how do we return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe, the whole 10% into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. And did you know that this is the only place in the entire Bible, all 66 books of the Bible, the only place in the entire word of God where God says, test me, I dare you. The only place. And the word tithe means tenth. So he says, bring the tenth into the storehouse, into the local church, that there may be food and ministry in my house. Test me and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that there won't be enough room to store it. Kelly and I want you so blessed that you can't even contain it. We want you blessed, blessed, blessed. We want you so blessed that it spills out onto everybody you're around. But we have a nation that teaches us to rob God because we're strapped, we're in debt, we're stuck, we buy toys we don't need. We buy, the, we buy the, a house that's much too big for our family. We, we, we buy cars we don't need. We, we do things that America says is okay And we embrace things like a credit score, which is really just a debt score, and we embrace things that aren't even biblical values, and we wonder why the floodgates of heaven are not open over our lives. Can I tell you, God tells you right here to step one of your budget is to honor God. Tithing is giving back to God what already belongs to Him. So we rob God when we keep it all for ourselves. So it's really not giving. We talk about giving to the church. It's really not giving. A proper biblical foundation for it would be returning. We don't give our tithes, we return the tithe. We return the tithe. When you become a Christian, every part of you becomes Christian. Your money becomes Christian. Your spirit is reborn. Colossians says that you are transferred from darkness into light. Every part of our lives is reborn, including our money. I've heard it put this way, my money becomes Christian. <laughs> That's I thought that was so interesting. In other words, it has God's name on it. If it has God's name on it, and then we turn around and use it for ourselves, we're robbing God. I want your life blessed and not cursed. I've got to teach you the whole truth as your pastor. And I love you too much to not, I love you too much to teach about this. I mean, this, I've got to teach you one of the most important things that the Bible talks about. Look at Leviticus twenty-seven, thirty: A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. 10% of your income is holy and it belongs to God. Now look at this. Tithing is not a money issue. It's a trust issue. It's not how much you give. It's a trust issue. See, the enemy works overtime from keeping you to follow this principle. He's always whispering in your ear to keep you insecure about your money. And if you, if you are taking notes, you got to write this down. What we're insecure about, we secure it. What we're insecure about, we secure it. So if you're trusting of God, then you're generous. But if you're trusting of self, you secure your wallet. You secure the the money. If you're insecure about it, you secure it. We hold on to our money. We're tight-fisted with our money. Think about this question. Who are you trusting for your provision? You can follow these steps that I'm teaching you and you'll make some progress, but the favor of the Lord is only on your finances when you honor God. The second step. So the first step is to honor God with the tithe. The second step is very simple. Save $1,000 for emergencies. Things are gonna break. A ball is gonna go through your neighbor's window. Appliances are going to die. We just had to replace our washer and dryer. Thank God that we had an emergency fund. Uh, your your kids eat and eat and eat and eat. <laughs> so you you need these emergency funds. A car breaks down. You need these emergency funds. Now let me tell you, you're like, Lennon. where am I gonna get $1,000? I'm just trying to find a couple hundred. Where am I gonna get $1,000? You sell stuff. You get a second job. You pay off debt. You 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 eat ramen noodles. You 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 clip coupons, not Groupon's coupons, not Groupon's coupons. Sorry, not Groupon's. Don't don't say I got a deal on this Groupon. It's a trick. Use coupon. You you do everything that you can to save money, and you save up that thousand dollars. That I'm telling you right now. The first time Kelly and I did that it, it breathes so much life into me to know that if there is an emergency, we're covered. The third step, start the debt snowball. What that means is you find $200, sell something. The other day, Kelly sold some bar stools we had, made a hundred bucks. In, in 10 minutes, someone came and picked up our stuff and gave us hundred bucks. You can sell something and make $200. You add that $200 to your lowest minimum payment And then you pay with the lowest amount of debt so you can get some momentum. So if you owe a couple thousand on a car loan, you use that 200 plus, let's say your your payment is 200, so now you're paying 400 a month onto that. When that gets paid off, you add that 400 a month to your next lowest debt. So it's 400 plus, let's say 300 is going to the hospital So now you got $700 going to the hospital and it just builds and builds and builds. And by the time you get to your highest debt, you're paying a couple of thousand dollars a month onto your highest debt and watch you race towards the finish line. Doesn't that feel good to think that you could actually do that just by starting out by finding a couple hundred dollars and living biblical values and learning how to say no, you can become unstrapped. With the help of God, you can do this. But it requires you to have a sacrificial, biblical-based attitude. You gotta get focused. You gotta get focused and you gotta have a plan. You can't live like everyone else. The more passionate you are about this, the faster you'll achieve it. I gotta tell you again, next week, you gotta come to the Financial Learning Experience. Don't miss church next week. You gotta come next week. See, managing money is one of the most spiritual things you're ever gonna do. Landon, what about worship and prayer and fasting? Yes, those are all very, very spiritual things, but managing money, living unstrapped, living free, is one of the most spiritual things you'll ever do. Sacrifice, self-control, and planning. Sacrifice, self-control, and planning. Imagine your life without car payments. Imagine your life without credit card payments. Imagine your life without student loan payments. Imagine your life even without a house payment. The Bible says in Proverbs 6, 5, free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. I want you to get intense about this. I want those who call the Purpose Church home to live on purpose with their money. Stop living accidentally. Stop letting things happen to you, happen to it. Let's attack this together. Everyone bow your head and close your eyes. God, would you encourage everybody today and would you give them a hope? Would you give them a focus? Would you give them a passion? And may we, Manage well what you have entrusted into our care. God, for everyone here, would we be given just this passion? Would you develop in us a passion to become unstrapped so that we can serve you fully? Because money serves us as we serve God with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know some of you, God is speaking to you right now about these biblical values of self-control, sacrifice, and planning. So God, we embrace these values. We know they're important to you, God, and we know they're life-changing, so we embrace these values. For everybody here, everybody that came to church today, everybody that's watching online, I pray a special anointing over them that they would have the gazelle intensity, that they would, that they would budget themselves, and that they would honor you with the tithe, and that they would have see blessing put on their life, and that they would watch how you bless the 90%, and how they can get out of debt faster than they ever thought they could. God, would you give them courage to continue to embrace these biblical values? Now, others of you you're feeling convicted of your sin, not just your financial stresses and financial mistakes. And if we're really honest, we do things that are selfish and displeasing to God and you're aware that you're not living for God and you're you're aware that you've got a sin debt. Can I tell you right now, Jesus paid your debt of sin. He paid it all. There's an old song that says, Jesus paid it all. Oh, did he pay it all? He paid it all. For those of you that need to receive Jesus as your Savior, your Lord and Savior, and you want to stop being your own king and you want to live for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Prince of Peace, if you're tired of living life your own way because it's not working out, and you want to try God's way, a biblical way, the first step is by receiving Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, If you need to do that today, you're in the right place. And if you want to come back to Jesus today and you've never, uh, and you've either never made him your Lord or you've walked away from him, you can come back home today and put Jesus back in first place. So, everybody out loud, pray with me say, Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. I receive your grace today. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so that I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Church, let's loudly celebrate everybody who made a decision for Jesus today. Thank you for listening to The Purpose Church Podcast. If God uses message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory at thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.